0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American Patriots, to this fifth week of the Zombie Apocalypse here at CR Podcast. This is Daniel Horowitz back in the house after taking a little bit of paternity leave. And I'm probably gonna take a little bit more this week because I'm telling you, I am such a zombie. Probably a bigger zombie than the apocalypse. Uh, Look, everything that comes from God, certainly a kid, a newborn, is a blessing. But with every blessing is a challenge. And, oh my gosh, I never thought it would be this challenging having the three older kids home all the time. And then, you know, Miriam now being up at night. She parties at night. And then, you know, around 5 o'clock in the morning, it's like, hey, my work here is done. And then she goes back to sleep um obviously my wife is really not getting any sleep and then typically you would make that up while the kids are in school but of course they're not in school they're home fighting all day so uh it's just a matter of juggling everything them uh being home barely getting any sleep and somehow trying to work a little bit here so thank you all for bearing with me thank you again for your well wishes um Zombie apocalypse. Okay. I, I would like for you guys to come up with some sort of supposition here. Help me out here. Where are the reinforcements? Where is everyone? How have we reached a point where we have governors and county officials criminalizing everyday Americans while letting go criminals and illegal aliens? That we no longer have a government that derives its powers from the consent of the governed. Yet everyone seems to be quiet. Everyone seems to be quiet. There's small, very small pockets of resistance, but is it that everyone is just scared to death of the virus and they're willing to give the government any power they they want? I don't know. Let me know if you're seeing pockets of resistance. You could always email me. At dehorowitz at blazemedia.com, tweet me at RMConservative. You could also join our Facebook fan page, Horowitz, Citizen Sanctuary. I know a lot of you hate Facebook, and I don't blame you, but you know, I'm still trying to figure out a better place to go. Obviously, they censored my article over the weekend about Dr. Burks admitting that they are counting people that die with COVID, not of COVID necessarily, is a COVID death. Um, So they flagged that as inaccurate. Certainly didn't explain why it was inaccurate, because she indeed said that. It was a verbatim quote that I had in there. Um, But, you know, so we're censored there. And, folks, this is why I need you guys to go to Blaze Media or BlazeTV.com, BlazeTV.com, forward slash CR, and issue promo code Daniel to get $69 for an entire year's subscription to the only beacon of freedom here. Between Glenn Beck and Mark Levin and Steve Dace and all of us here, you get a full year's worth of content, $30 off, one-time deal, because nobody else is even questioning, questioning the pseudoscience behind this, questioning the the public policy strategy behind this, questioning the leg- legality and constitutionality behind Locking up Americans while, of course, releasing illegal aliens and criminals. Who else is doing this? So I need to get you guys to join us in that endeavor. But what I want to talk about today that really bothers me is President Trump. Where is the president? What, what is so cumbersome here is that it's hard to spawn a revolution when it's your guy at the top position. It's a little bit weird to say, oh, man, there's this county guy doing this. There's a state guy doing that. Well, isn't there a president here that is enabling the guy at the top, Fauci, to basically lead this nationally? Who is president, Donald Trump or Anthony Fauci? Pick one. Where is the guy? I just don't understand it. At some point, he needs to have his administration speak with one voice and one voice only. What is going on? Because what I'm telling you now is he is serving as a wet blanket on any activism. I was thinking, man, it's sure good Bernie Sanders didn't become president. We would have socialism. Well, let me ask you something. Under your worst nightmare with someone like Bernie as president, would you have envisioned this? I'm not saying this is all Trump's fault, but what I'm saying is now that you have 12-year-old girls being cited for playing basketball, fathers playing ball alone with their daughter in a park following the guidelines, being arrested, that picture that's reminiscent of Beijing, we become like China with this guy being dragged off a subway for not wearing a mask rather than having cops hand out masks as they should be doing. And then you have the Kentucky governor sending police around to take pictures of license plates at churches on Easter Sunday. And then, of course, the capstone of all this, the Michigan governor creating a travel ban from house to house. Where is the president? Where is the president? Right now, he's serving as a wet blanket on any activism. Because, like, oh, I don't want Biden to win. Well, right now, if this doesn't end, it's worse than anything with a Democrat being elected president. Because half the country would rebel. What Trump is doing now is he's preventing a rebellion. Because half of this is coming from his administration. Where is the man? Here's one thing I need you guys to do. I need you guys to call your congressman, email your congressmen, your senators, and the White House, and demand that not another penny is given to the states for bailout money. Trust me, this is the linchpin to everything we're talking about. How do I know that? Because as I predicted, Governor Larry Hogan, the jerk-off governor of my state, Maryland, Along with Andrew Cuomo, they're asking for another $500 billion. They already got $150 billion. They're asking for another $500 billion because this allows them to be heroes to the media, to virtue signal over public safety, but never have to balance out the consequences because they just rely on the federal printing press. And then Trump is caught with the political liability, the financial liability. And they get to skate away. No, 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 no. It's time to make them sink or swim. You break it, you own it. That is the most important thing we can do is to prevent state bailouts. Because these governors are driving the shutdown. They are driving the shutdown and it's gotta stop. We need to reopen America now. So now there is a rally, hopefully the Michigan governor was finally a step too far, and I'm seeing now there is definitely some sort of rally going on in the state on tax day, which won't really be tax day this year, but May 15th, I'm I'm sorry, April 15th, to go to Lansing. So any of our listeners in Michigan or near Michigan, show up there. You know, if you feel you are healthy, you have a mask, gloves, go out, whatever, we need you. We need your voice badly. Someone's got to protest this. There's got to be some safety net, some backstop that no mas, you can't do this anymore. I see there is a lot of protesting, gaining traction around the churches being shut down, And finally, there was one successful lawsuit in Louisville. But don't get me wrong here, but I just want to say, like, I don't want to make a special carve-out. Oh, gun shops, okay, that's a bridge too far. We're going to go a lawsuit, or churches. Because what they're doing on restricting individual movement is even more severe. Because let's face it, churches still have gatherings. I understand that there are ways to do it following the CDC guidelines, much more so than a a Walmart or a supermarket. And that's a valid point, that if they're open, why shouldn't a church not be able to be open with certain modifications? But it's even worse than that. They're banning less than 10 people. They're banning individuals from moving. I mean, could you imagine these governors, this Whitmer of, of Michigan, these governors that sued Trump for banning travel from Iran and Somalia, and yet they're able to ban travel from one American's home to another, including a family member? And we're going to allow that to stand? No. Where are our Minutemen? Where are the Paul Revere's of our time? Where are they? Folks, this is going to go on for a while. You saw Anthony Fauci said, what was it, on Thursday, uh, Friday or Saturday, that we hope to return to some sense of normalcy by November. No, no, no. That can't go on. And remember, even if we can get our economy moving again, we will never, ever get liberty moving again you will never put that tyranny back in the box c.s lewis warned those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end for they do so with the approval of their own conscience and that's what this is it's their own conscience which is really just the media's conscience it's just the media's conscience. And and again, this all gets back to the point that I've been making. That everything now stems from this hubris that somehow we could do something about the virus. That once you let it in your country, and it's this viral, it's this contagious, and you let it in, and you don't shut off travel from the source countries for months, and then and then you don't, even have any self-awareness to stay away from crowds, just to you know, to not touch certain surfaces, just the basic best practices that don't need to engender a lockdown or a shutdown. That's where all the value-add, the public safety um, gains that you're going to make are really from doing those things. We weren't even doing them. We were holding Chinatown Lunar New Year celebrations in February. So now that this is everywhere, where now finally, I mean, more and more, you're seeing in the mainstream media all these studies and everything that affirm what we were saying from day one, that this was easily here all January. Is there really anything to stop that you could do to stop this? Think about it. We're so used to the comforts of modern technology, modern healthcare, that God has blessed us with, that we seem to have the ability to like forestall and prevent calamities and prevent death much more so than we used to but sadly sometimes certain things are out of your hands so people feel oh my gosh daniel people are dying we're like what do you what do you want we got to do something do something well do what is there any evidence that lockdowns help all the countries that tried it are a dumpster fire the asian countries powered through it went out with masks And that's the thing, if you're going to mandate we go out with masks that a lot of these cities are doing, then you have to end the shutdown. So people go go out, quarantine the people who need to be quarantined, and you develop herd immunity. Yes, people are going to die, but they're going to die no matter what. There is no evidence you're going to save those lives, and in fact, there's growing evidence that more people will die from this strategy, from the virus, much less from all the collateral damage from the lockdown itself. But that's what it is. There are some times in life where you're just in God's hands. You all know, I I took this series from day one. I'm not saying this is nothing. Heck, I I have, um, we just got word yesterday. I have an uncle in Long Island, right outside of Queens, which is the epicenter of this. He was sick for at least a week, very sick. He's in the hospital, and he tested positive. Now, I, the last word is he's in stable condition, and they're treating him with hydroxy, whatever, and the Z-Pak. Thank God Cuomo relented on that. But yeah, I mean, I got an uncle. He's I, I believe he is still in the hospital today. And, you know, it's stable, but you never know. The people that are killed by this, this thing goes very quickly. So it's not like I'm, I'm one of these people that haven't felt it and like, oh, you know, I don't care. It's that I have enough prudence to understand that certain things are out of your hands and there is no evidence that from a public policy standpoint, what we're doing, not only is it not worth it, but that it's even that we're even benefiting at all from it, if not harming ourselves. But we need President Trump. Think about this, folks. Illegal alien sex offenders can take refuge in a church. Gang members can take refuge in a church. Remember all those sanctuary churches we reported on throughout the last year? But an American, law-abiding, everyday American, cannot go to church on Easter. I guarantee you they're not, they're not going to arrest illegal aliens for taking refuge in, in churches. You look at the mix, the amalgamation of things our government is doing, and it is no longer a just government on any level. We need a revolution. We need a revolt. Where are the soldiers? But again, it's very hard to have a revolt when you supposedly have your man in the top position. That's the problem. Where is Trump? All he's doing is talking about more spending. One thing people forget is that everyone's looking all oh, we're gonna need World War II level debt. Well, A, that went into something. This went in this is going into a black hole. But B, as Steve Days pointed out, at the start of FDR's New Deal, the debt GDP ratio was thirty three percent. So you went from 33 to well over 100, 150 or whatever it was. Right now, we're starting at 107%. That's our starting point. This is what I've warned about the whole time, how we accrued this much debt during a period of prosperity. So you can only imagine what that does when you actually have a calamity like this. But where is the Trump administration? They need to speak with one voice. Now look, the piper is coming due. And how do I know the piper is coming due? Very simple. I'm sure many of you have seen this already today. Reuters Smithfield shutting U.S. pork plant indefinitely. Warns of meat, meat shortages during pande- pandemic. Smithfield Foods, the world's biggest pork processor, said on Sunday it will shut a U.S. plant indefinitely due to the rash of coronavirus cases among employees and warn the country is moving perilously close to the edge in supplies for grocers. Slaughterhouse shutdowns are disrupting the U.S. food supply chain, crimping availability of meat at retail stores, and leaving farmers with outlets for their livestock. Smithfield extended the closure of its Sioux Falls, South Dakota plant after initially saying it would idle temporarily for cleaning, the facility is one of the nation's largest pork processing facilities, representing four to five percent of U.S. pork production. South Dakota Governor Christy Nome said on Saturday that 238 Smithfield employees had active cases, counting for 55 percent of the state's total. Um, where is this? It is, quote, it is impossible to keep our grocery stores stocked if our plants are not running. Smithfield Chief Executive Ken Sullivan. This is what Thomas Massey warned about when he was on our show. This is what he warned about. See, right now, they've been able to keep it on the cheap. Government workers get their checks. Other people could work from home. You get your Amazon Prime. You get your groceries. You get your Walmart. You know, it's not great, but you're good to go. Well, what if that shuts down? Well, Daniel, people are dying. Well, that ain't gonna work. In other words, the point is, everyone's like, there's a lot of articles out today about the number of grocery store workers that have gotten COVID. But that's the thing. I mean, so what, you shut that down too? In a way, I am ho- I want that to happen. Because what I don't like is the tyranny being fueled by the Ability of certain essential stores to stay open. I want to cut the cord. You want to do tyranny? You want to do Venezuela? Do it like a man. Don't do it with the abundance of America. Do it for real. Because I want to force people to fight. And yeah, there aren't too many good options. But that's my, that's been our point from day one. When like a bunch of idiots, you don't do what Taiwan did, and you don't shut it off from day one. You're going to have it, and there's nothing you can do. You got to power through it. You can't make the cure worse than the disease. And again, you got to wonder given the body of evidence from counter research outside of government now, you got to wonder if the strategy itself is backfiring, not just in terms of the economy and jobs, mental health, other health concerns of people dying not from COVID, but as a result of the lockdown, but also from COVID itself. From the China virus itself, are people, is this turning out worse? UK, I mean, Israel also. Israel still is much lower than anyone, but they had no one dying, and then, you know, when they started with the lockdown, more people are dying there too. Now, part of why it's not as bad is because they had a shut off internationally much earlier than anyone else did, but still not early enough. So they got it in. That's the thing. Show me where lockdown has worked. And again, if you look at South Korea and Taiwan, Singapore, Hong Kong, you got to wonder if the opposite is true. And, and that's really what we need answers for. That's why we need our legislatures in session to ask these questions. Who says what you're doing is even helping, not hurting, the course of getting rid of this virus, not even accounting for all the collateral damage? Meaning the the disgust, basically the aphorism that, oh, we can't uh, allow the cure to be worse than the virus— assumes that at least it's helping and it's and it's the right strategy for containing the virus albeit maybe it's not worth it given that you know we're not talking about hundreds of thousands of deaths we're going to be counting them in tens of thousands which you know unfortunately is is what we often have with the flu season but it's worse than that who says what we're doing is not making it worse folks here's the call to action You need to call your county councilmen, state legislators, congressmen, senators. The following provisions, some are relevant at a state level, some are relevant at a federal level, need to be enacted. All top government officials should not get paid a dime until this is over. Lower level non-essential government workers should have their salaries and hours cut back 30% for every week this goes on. Three, state Taxes should be suspended. You can't make people pay taxes if you're going to shut them down. It's time to make the state governors feel the pain. Again, right now it's all, people are dying. i got to shut down, shut down. It's like this one panic button that they know how to press. They need to think beyond that. Not just for, again, not just for everything else, but to, to save lives as well. I don't believe this is the best strategy of saving lives. I say this with an uncle in a New York hospital right now with what appears to be a bad case of it. Another thing is, whether it's at a county and state legislator level, they must permanently strip executives of any emergency power beyond 24 hours of implementation. there's something urgent, you need to do something, fine. You get 24 hours. If it's beyond that, there's no reason why you can't be in touch at least remotely, with the legislature, and get sign-off. Can't have this indefinite garbage. You need to call your Republican congressmen, senators, and say no federal bailouts for the states. You break it, you own it. Also, no regulations on individuals or family activities that are not in violation of CDC distancing guidelines. You want to say you stay six feet apart? And then stay six feet apart. But what you cannot do is have all these cases where you can't go to someone else's house. Well, wait a minute. That's not part of the CDC guidelines. Individuals boating. I mean, that, that that's that's the best activity. You want people to do activities that are outdoor. And um, especially when the evidence is mounting that more and more this is being spread among family members. You want to go outside, especially as it gets warmer. You don't want to keep the virus under climate control. President Trump, you got to call the White House. He's got to immediately fire Fauci. We need DOJ to start filing lawsuits, civil rights lawsuits against the states. And Trump at some point needs to threaten to call out the National Guard to enforce the Constitution against those state officials that needlessly are implementing martial law. Where is the president? Because right now, he is serving as a wet blanket, preventing the revolt that we need against this tyrannical government. I still have to pinch myself to realize we're living in times like this. Let me tell you something. You will never, ever get that power back that we've ceded to these governors and county officials. Never. That's just the reality. Now, before I go through just some more data demonstrating why this might be the wrong strategy altogether, I just want to say Republicans have control of both houses in the Michigan legislature. Now, it has been narrowed a little bit from previous elections, but they do have control. So where are they? I don't know, but this is why it's important to get involved in the April 15th Rally in Lansing, however they're going to do that. Um, but someone needs to hear from us. And, and this is the thing. Where are Republicans? We're going to try to have a prominent Republican congressman on the show tomorrow to discuss some of this. But uh, we cannot go on ruling by fiat. We just can't. Um, I wanted to talk about something very interesting. The Taiwanese CDC came out with a study This is Alex Berenson, former New York Times reporter, put this out on Twitter. Make sure you follow him. Very, very good information. He is one of the lockdown skeptics. And he posted this study. The study was from a few weeks ago. Now, you're going to want to listen to something put out or an observation made by the Taiwanese CDC. You see, Taiwan is a country about 100 miles off the coast of China. Now, it is an island, but there is travel from Beijing and Shanghai and wherever else, and you would expect they would have it. Yet, they've only had a few hundred cases, the curve has bent if you look on a graph, and they've had six, you got that right, six deaths. So clearly they're doing something right. Now what they did is the exact opposite of what we did. They did an early shutdown of international travel early border control, and they didn't shut down businesses or even schools. They did contact tracing. They quarantined the sick, or isolated the sick, quarantined um, people that need to be quarantined, and everyone else went out. So you want to learn from them. Now, the CDC of Taiwan does um, recommend social distancing, whatever that even means, but they don't recommend lockdown. What's interesting is, they did a study, they, they did contact tracing of 32 COVID patients. And they touched, they, they, or they came into contact with about 1,043 individuals. About 960 of them were non-family household, overwhelmingly. A few hundred of them were healthcare professionals they were into contact with, obviously, because they got treatment. And it turned out something like seven individuals in households and five other family members got COVID from them. Secondary transmission and zero, you heard that right, zero of anyone else. Which demonstrates, as we saw in the Japanese study, that the way you transmit this most is among family members in close quarters. Or if you look at highly urban areas in close quarters. But in the general public, if you're careful, you have the right sensible moderate distancing and most important education awareness and touching surfaces, washing your hands. Certainly if you go out with a mask, and you don't touch your face. You, you, you could keep things moving and actually get a better result, a better result. Because otherwise what you're doing here is you are locking down people with that already have it, and then they're transmitting it to their elderly family members. Which is why it's so dumb not to have kids intermingle in school and spread it safely, as we did with every disease and develop herd immunity. It's even worse when you're in America, where unlike in Taiwan, and America and all the Western countries, we blithely let this in like a bunch of idiots in December and January, and now we found, find out, based on our research last week, that to a large degree, even in February. So the point is, this has been here, as we've said so long, for so long, yet the federal government and the Trump administration and all these states have refused to put out more information. We know nothing more today than we, when we asked the question a month ago, when did this begin? Because that means everything. Because if this began ages ago... And so many more people have this. Not only is this less lethal than we think, albeit I do think it's more lethal than the flu. But the point is that it's a different strategy. Even if you believe in lockdown, which appears to never work, but it certainly doesn't work when there's nothing to lock down when it's everywhere and you're locking down the people who already have it with those that don't have it rather than having them spend more time outside. It doesn't make any sense. So the LA Times reports, LA Times reports here, new signs suggest coronavirus was in California far earlier than anyone knew. Okay, this is from April 11th. And and again, I mean, this is not just California. Governor Ron DeSantis was on with uh, Mark Levin on his Sunday night Fox show, made the same point as we've been saying. Quote, the virus was freewheeling in our community and probably has been here for quite some time. Dr. Jeff Smith, a physician who is the chief executive of Santa Clara County government, told county leaders in a recent briefing. How long? A study out of Stanford suggests a dramatic viral surge in February. But Smith on Friday said data collected by the Federal Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, local health departments, and others suggest it was, quote, a lot longer than we first believed, most likely since... Back in December. Quote, this wasn't recognized because we were having a severe flu season, as I mentioned from day one. Smith said in an interview, symptoms are very much like the flu. If you got a mild case of COVID, you didn't really notice. You didn't even go to the doctor. The doctor maybe didn't even do it because they presumed it was the flu. Just as New York has strong ties to travelers from Europe, who are believed to have brought the coronavirus there from Italy, the Bay Area is a natural hub for those traveling to and from China. Santa Clara County has it, had its first two cases of COVID-19 almost a week before federal approval of emergency testing for the disease. February 4th, both were in tra- uh, travelers returning from Wuhan, where the virus was rampant. In January and most of February, there was little, if any, community testing in California. The CDC provided testing materials to only some health departments with restrictions that confined testing and thus the tracking of the novel coronavirus to those who are sick or exposed to someone already known to have COVID. COVID-19 did not appear in the Bay Area until February 27th when doctors finally decided to test a hospitalized woman who had been ill for weeks. She became the region's first case of community spread coronavirus. So that's the deal. This thing was there for so much longer. We're not going to know until we start really testing antibodies. So that's the deal there. So think about it. This was there since December. So much of this has been going on. So this is stupid. This whole thing is dumb. There you go. Open borders, doing nothing early on, having it rampant, and then locking it down several months later makes no sense under anyone's strategy. It really makes no sense. And then we have this. Some of you have seen that viral interview, no pun intended, from Dr. Nut M. Witowski. Or This guy received his Ph.D. in computer science from University of Stuttgart. Um, He had a degree in medical biometry from someplace in Germany. Worked 15 years in Germany as a leading epidemiologist who coined the term reproduction number, the R.N. that everyone's using. On the epidemiology of HIV before heading for uh, 20 years the Department of Biostatistics, Epidemiology, and Research Design at the Rockefeller University, New York. He's currently the CEO of a call of a small company discovering novel treatments for complex diseases. So this is not some sort of like partisan guy. I mean, it's a German epidemiologist with, with a pretty fat resume. And he calls BS on this whole thing and here's a transcript of that um, interview you guys could see Perspect- perspectives on the pandemic from Professor KN it's you know KNUT Witkowski, episode two. He said, with all the re- respiratory diseases, the only thing that stops the disease is herd immunity. About 80% of the people need to have had contact with the virus, and the majority of them won't even have recognized that they, have, that they were affected or they had very, very mild symptoms, especially if they were children. So it's very important to keep the schools open and kids mingling to spread the virus to get herd immunity as fast as possible, and then the elderly people who should be separated, the nursing homes should be closed during that time, can come back and meet their children and grandchildren after about four weeks when the virus has been exterminated. We're experiencing all sorts of counterproductive consequences of not well thought through policy. Well, we will see maybe a total of fewer cases that is possible meaning from the lockdown. However, we will see more cases among the elderly because we have prevented school children from creating herd immunity. And so in the end, we will see more death because the school children won't because the school children don't die, it's the elderly people who die we will see more death because of this social distancing. If we had herd immunity now, there couldn't be a second wave in autumn. Herd immunity lasts for a couple of years, typically, and that's why the last SARS epidemic we had in 2003, had lasted 15 years for enough people to become susceptible again so that a new epidemic could spread of a related virus. Very interesting. Because typically there is something that requires cross-immunity. So if you're exposed to one of the SARS viruses, you are less likely to fall ill with another SARS virus. So if we had herd immunity, we wouldn't have had a second wave. However, if we are preventing herd immunity from developing, it is almost guaranteed that we have a second wave as soon as either we stop the social distancing or the climate changes with winter coming. So meaning you're never going to solve this. That's the issue. We should be resisting, and we should at least hold our politicians responsible. We should have a discussion with our politicians. One thing we definitely need to do and that would be safe and effective, is opening schools. Let the children spread the virus among themselves, which is a necessity to get herd immunity. I mean, folks, Taiwan did that. They got to be on to something. Six deaths. That's the story. What are we thinking? What are we doing? And this is why there is no reason why we can't have congressional hearings and state legislative hearings online where people could stream them while they're locked up at home and let's have various people let's have this guy testify let's have some of the other studies which are voluminous now relative to the ones the government is relying on we need to get this right i mean again I, I keep going back to the analogy of imagine you go to the doctor and he says that you have that rare disease that requires us to to chop off all four of your limbs. You would do everything you can to get a second, third, fourth opinion to ensure that's the right thing to do. But imagine if you you got a diagnosis and a prescription from a doctor to do that, losing all your life's function forever from those limbs, but then also possibly not even getting rid of That disease. And he might die anyway. That would be the worst of all worlds. That is where we are now. That is the predicament we face if we don't ask questions. And call BS on this. In this late hour. That, that, That keeps going on. That keeps going on. This whole thing is truly, truly unbelievable. So, um... That's the thing. I mean, how do how do we keep indulging this? How do we allow this to go on? So that's the story with that. And then we have um, Detroit. Detroit is another big hot spot, and you got to wonder how much of that is also because of the chinese immigration really makes you wonder all of us should be asking those questions there's um a lot of zip codes that have it that are very bad remember um Michigan is not uniform, if you look at all the numbers. I'm trying to get the numbers here, but it's almost all confined to uh, basically just a few areas in Wayne County and a couple of surrounding areas. Let me just see the data I have here. Um. And basically, something like 85% of the cases are in that area. Now, the question is, why is Detroit have it so bad? We understand New York. It's widely believed that New Orleans is due to Mardi Gras. So that's with that. But what about um, what about Detroit? So could it be that detroit is bad because of all the all the issues just like in lombardy china started st- establishing a huge presence in detroit remember it was like uh you know one of these zones where we created to go and invest in because it was so bankrupt well who comes and invests china does detroit have the same dynamic as lombardy where there's so much going on from China. There's um Chinese-owned businesses all over the place in the Detroit area. So, you know, my Facebook team guys sent me a bunch of articles on this, and it looks awfully similar to what we talk about with um with Lombardi. So again, that's another important lesson. But once once you have the Detroit dynamic and the Queens dynamic, and you let it in, yeah, I mean, that ship sailed. You're not going to get Taiwan's result because we're like idiots. But the very people who oppose the shutoff don't have the right to get upset about that. I have the right to get upset about that because I've been calling for both the short-term and long-term policies that wouldn't have made us susceptible to it. But once you are, you got it in. Lockdown doesn't help, and and really, it might hurt. This is what we need to be watching in the next few days. So anyway, folks, just send me any more stories you see on counter-evidence. We will be the opposition here, and we will report that. You could always email me at dharwitz at blazemedia.com. There's also a ton of stories with jailbreak, crime, corona crime continuing to go up, corona fascism. We're going to be tracking all of this. Um, this will be an abbreviated week for me again. Um, by next week, I'll be back to full force. Hopefully, gosh, I wish I could get the kids back in school, but we'll see. It's very challenging, but we'll try to make this work. Um... I just wanted to end off in one note on immigration, you know, again, with this mixed messaging from this administration, which is just so frustrating. Um, you know, Trump says some good things in immigration, but then he said back uh, on April 1st, we want the farmers to be able to get people that they have been working on these farms. So we're, we're, we're um, they're going to come in, meaning the foreign workers, they're going to be given a certain pass. and We're going to check them very closely. So my, um, one of my friends, Dan Cadman, from Center for Immigration Studies, we, we had him on the show, he asked a number of questions. How exactly will that happen when their entry is being expedited without even interviews by the Department of State consular officers? They're not functioning. How exactly are we going to bring in these workers? How will their health be not monitored? Not only before, which we clearly don't have enough staff to properly quarantine, But after, after their entry, there aren't enough masks or testing kits for the general population. Will the public health service officers be dispersed in the fields and orchards of America to conduct ongoing virus checks? See, we're being put under house arrest, and yet the same administration and the president himself is talking about bringing in more foreign workers. will they practice social distancing on their own these people from the jungles of Guatemala really to justify waiver of interviews and other normally standard visa adjudication measures state department says the entry of these foreigners is a matter of national security but if we are so reliant on foreign workers to supply our damn food There's something wrong there. And you're never going to get a better time than now to make that happen. Unfortunately, government prints so much money and gives these people, you know, often, if you take it annually, like $50,000, if you look at the increased level, like $50,000 a year of unemployment benefits now. So a lot of them aren't going to work. That's part of the problem, which is why we need to get rid of Mnuchin. We need another strategy here. Our strategy on immigration, our strategy on reliance on foreign labor, and China, and Mexico, Central America needs to end. We need our sovereignty back. But most important, we need America back. See, I mentioned this last week with Jordan when we had him on the show. I'm worried about China, but I'm even more worried about America turning into China. So, like, don't start talking to me about, oh, we need to combat China now. Yeah, I mean, we need sanctions on them. They need to be punished. But we need to stop acting like China. Get people out with masks and gloves, get them working again. Again, people on their own are scared enough. You don't need government tyranny to do this. But at some point, you got to let the market work. In other words, you got to make people confronted with tough choices. You can't fund everything to make the shutdown work. But you know what, the good news is, this thing's gonna to come to an end very soon because it can't go on much longer. But we're gonna to need to stay vigilant. you got to contact your state legislatures, your congressmen, county officials. Get in their face, hold hearings, challenge the data, challenge the fascism from a legal perspective, from a prudence perspective, from a you know epidemiology perspective. We must do better because we have no other choice. Tomorrow we're going to have, hopefully, Congressman Andy Biggs on the show. Let me know what you want me to ask him. He's the head of the Freedom Caucus. We need leadership coming from them, so we'll see if there's any leadership forthcoming. Until tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.